Hi there, Catsuit. Hi there, Nookie. Wait, I wasn't expecting you right now. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to stop by and tell everyone about our event coming up Valentine's weekend. You mean the three-day education and social event focusing in on dating and relationships for kinky folks called the Kinky Dating Something Something and Love Blah 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 event? We've got great speakers lined up, including me. Yeah, also Lexi Silver, Zach Budd, Unruly Nerd Girl, and I'll even be presenting a four-hour workshop. Don't worry, it's in two parts about how to defuckify your dating and create a profile and a life that weeds out what you don't want and attracts what you do. Registration is open now. And the first 500 people get in free, so don't hesitate. Get registered at datingkinky.com slash dating dash love dash event. It's a great opportunity to learn from the people you love about the people you hope to love. I know it's on my Valentine's Day calendar. Chocolates are optional. The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun conversation about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. With questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, a look into the beginning of traditional and non-traditional relationships, from the first impression to the messaging that finally wins people over. We have been so fortunate with a response to our podcast by guests that we have more shows than weeks leading into 2021. So instead of waiting to talk to some wonderful humans, beginning with this special episode, on selected holiday weeks, we'll give you a bonus episode that's just like our regular show, but gives you an opportunity to spend some of your extra time listening to great content. And on this episode, we meet the intriguing Nice Dom. Mr. Shari has been in the lifestyle, both BDSM and swing communities, as a player and an educator for the last 20 plus years. Shari is also a sensuality consultant with the largest in-home romance party company in North America for the last 14 years. She has been trained to lead her workshops from several field experts. Her training as a life coach and a public speaker with Landmark Education since 1988 Combined with her experience as a professional dom, sub, and party specialist, gives Shari unique lifestyle insights. They have enabled her to provide all genders and sexual orientations with a safe and comfortable environment in which to build their confidence, learn new techniques, and to expand and enhance their relationships. So what does the professional nice dom want? Let's find out. First five, five questions about It's the first, first five. And I will start with this one. The first time you ever felt dominant. Uh, 
pro- I was probably very young, like young, young. I, I, I definitely was um, in my, uh, I, I, it had to be my teens. Like I can pretty much distinctly remember like just, um, I, I, I think I was on vacation with my family. We we're in a- Arizona. And I, I remember just being like on my own. I was very independent, you know, the oldest child, whatever. And, um, you know, you meet someone on your family vacation, you meet a boy, whatever, he's cute, you flirt, but whatever. And it was always like, and he was always like, oh, can you meet me at this time? I'd be like, no, we're going to meet at this time. Can you do this? Like, it was the first time that I actually like took the reins, like meeting a strange boy, like not somebody that I had a crush on in mm-hmm. high school or saw every day by the locker and tried. No, this was like, I knew I had a week. <laughs> like if this was going to get done. I, I couldn't rely on him. Like, you know, you can't rely on the boy, not at 16 years old. So yeah, that, that was definitely it. I was definitely in my teens and uh, in, yeah, on vacation with my family. And it was like, whatever he would say, I'd be like, no, no, that's not what we're doing. We're doing it this way, you know, just to make sure that everything went my way. First message passed to you in class that surprised you. Oh, well, now you're counting on me remembering some really old stuff um I don't I you know what I don't know I don't know I'd have to give that one a lot of thought that's like really like you have to like think back like to even writing those notes mm-hmm. do you remember like oh my I'm trying not to get caught and and yeah it's, it's a, just a John Hughes film all over again um but uh yeah I honestly I can't remember I I, I can't even the only thing ever that I remember writing on notes was how great Duran Duran mm-hmm. was. Simon LeBron, you know, like was that bomb. was my whole. Yeah, John Taylor, I was totally a John <laughs> Taylor girl. I was all about the bass player. <laughs> like, um, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, no, definitely. Okay, well, I can say this that um, I was about fourteen years old. I had a very spoiled childhood because of who my stepfather was. I would sit backstage at a lot of big mm. concerts. I'd be on the stage watching it, and um, on a Hershey bar, uh, the drummer for Santana wrote me a love note. I was about fourteen years old. <laughs> so that his name was Jupito, and I still have the rapper. That's beautiful. Yeah, so that would qualify, right? Absolutely. <laughs> My stepfather was not happy. <laughs> not happy. <laughs> First time you received a message online that surprised you in the wrong way. Like an email? Like any email, kind of online? DM, any garden variety message. I think I got I think I got fired once over email. Really? Yeah, that and that did surprise me. Like it was just, it, I, you know, I worked in the fashion industry for many years, and yeah, a company that I worked for was like, "Don't come in tomorrow." Uh, you know, we're determining your uh, contract, whatever it was, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> like, yeah." So that and I was, yeah, I, I was not ex- like that was back like when you don't fire people by email now. You probably could, but back then you didn't. Text message sometimes. <laughs> Maybe, but yeah, I don't even think you could text back then. I think it was Lotus Notes. Oh gosh, now you're taking me back. Yeah, yeah, like it was old. First time you ever received a dick pic and your reaction to it. Um, okay, well that's a loaded question because 
I, I only, I, I, that's all I receive. Like everybody, that's like my hello for pro, mm-hmm. pro Dom. Everybody sends you dick pics and fet life is just, you open it up and it's just like, hello, dick pics everywhere. Um, but there, there are a few that stick out in memory. So I, I will highlight, there, there is one that, um, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it, I'm blunt anyway, but it looks like his balls and his dick are in a race to the floor. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, it doesn't look right. Like, I remember him sending that to me and me being like, I think you should go see somebody. Like, that's, that doesn't look right to me. Um, yeah, it's, it's a notice, it, it, it doesn't look right doesn't look right and uh <laughs> i still have it because people wouldn't you know like i was like no this one gets saved uh but yeah that that was that's still the most horrifying one like when people ever say like oh you should see this horrifying picture i'm like oh yeah look at this one <laughs> yeah you know. let's go to the opposite end of that spectrum first time you received okay. a note that surprised you and made you go i think i'm going to reply to this one um yeah, that would have, I, I, I can pinpoint that that would have been a couple years ago. I was always this is this is right when I started my pro dom mm-hmm. career. So I was just learning I was still like being mentored. And I, I did an event in Pennsylvania, you know, a hotel takeover or, or some kind of, uh, you know, BDSM mm-hmm. themed like, you know, right. convention, right. And, um, you know, I, I was in my my mid 40s. And I was always one of those women's like, I'm never going to go for a younger guy. Like, I'm not going to be one of those women, you know, that's like, no, I'm not going to do that, that cougar thing. That's terrible. (laughs) You know, I was never, ever, ever going to do that. And at this event, I met a young guy who just, you know, we would hang out, like a bunch of us would hang out all different ages, all different everything. And uh, everybody had a good time, fun time, weekend, whatever, but at the end of the week, week, sure enough, message in my box, like, for, you know, from him, an email, you know, oh, it was so nice to meet you, da, da, da. like, obviously leading into, I would like to meet up with you again. Da. And I remember thinking, like, you are 27 years old. <laughs> like, like, no, that's, that's wrong on so many levels. And I could, I, I, in my head, I couldn't do it, but it was just such a nice message. And he was so like very um, respectful in it. It was not like, a, you know, oh, I bet you don't get to be with a young guy message anymore. Like it, it wasn't, he wasn't being a dick. He was being very respectful. Like, I just really enjoyed meeting you. I would love to take you out to dinner. And I remember like being like, no, I cannot do that. Like, that's ridiculous. But then I just, I, I got along so well with him and he was like, and we met for dinner and I knew it was golden because right off the bat, the, I remember we were in Hoboken and the woman goes, oh, would you like a table for two? And I'm like, yes. And if you have a booster seat and crayons, <laughs> that would be great. And he returned immediately with, and if you have the senior menu, she'd like that. And I was like, oh, okay, this might work. I was like, this might work. This might be okay. Cause we were playing off each other so That's well beautiful. and it was just, yeah, it was really, it was really sweet. And he had a beard when I met him, he didn't. And I was like, what's with the beard? He's like, I didn't want you self-conscious that you were out with your kid. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, we're going to get along fine. <laughs> and yeah, he, he, and after that, it just became a string of millennials. Um, really like it just opened me up to like, all right. So maybe there are some smart millennials out there. 
um, and there's a few, I have found a few that are a little self-evolved and watch Star Wars and they're cool. But uh, for the most part, you just want to like shake your head. Um, yeah, he, he broke that mold, definitely. Like that, I never would have thought I would have answered that message or anything because I was not going to be one of those women. And now I'm one of those women and I have a more fun time with that, I'm finding, because they can keep up, they're younger and you can beat them longer, they can stand it. <laughs> They don't need naps. <laughs> what is your fantasy? Do you have a secret? We all have sexual fantasies or secrets. That's what my show is all about. My name is Nikki, and I'm the host of In Bed with Nikki. In this show, it's all about sex and the fantasies that people have. Reading from my emails directly and anonymously sent to me, Together, we will explore the experiences of everyday people, just like yourself. Often, this is the very first time they've told anyone else about them. You can find In Bed with Nikki on Podchaser, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and anywhere else you find your other favorite podcasts. And remember, for every problem... There is a solution, and I happen to call it an orgasm. And until next time, enjoy. Two people getting to know each other, just like we did in high school. Here is Seven Minutes in Heaven. Time now for Seven Minutes in Heaven. It's just like high school. It's where I get to know you (laughs) a little bit better so our audience can know you a little bit better. So what turns you on? Uh, If physical or, uh, you know, spiritual, I'm so not a spiritual person. Um, But, you know, just, uh, first of all, they have to have a brain. Like it's at this point, I think, and that's what, that's what meaning, you know, a younger guy taught me, like, as long as he has a brain and can think, then I can get behind it that is the biggest turn on somebody who could think who's quick-witted um and like can you know like good with zingers and things like that and can think on their feet you know oh and like find their way to the store by themselves that's a big you know that would be a big plus um but yeah that 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 is a huge turn on i i can't be with somebody i can't have a conversation with something that- so that that yeah that's it number one thing that turns you off it's different for men and women. Uh, women who are inauthentic, I can't, I have a hard time being in the room mm-hmm. with them at some point. I, you know, after a while, you're just like, oh, it's just not fun to be. I, yeah. So for women, the minute they become inauthentic, it's like the hugest turnoff. Uh, with men, the minute they try to pretend they're smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Then I'm out. They may be smarter than me, but when they actually are actively making an effort to show me it, then I'm out. Then I'm out because it's that's just pointless. <laughs> Your favorite word that you associate with sex and why? Fuck. I, it's the best word. It describes everything. 
it's just, it's all encompassing. You know, it can, it can either hurt you, help you feel good, not good. Like ever. you know, it could be a cry of exclamation or a cry of a question or a yes, please. <laughs> it can be anything. I like, I think it's that all encompassing word. That was an easy one. If I'm taking you on a first date, I should. Pay. <laughs> Hey, yeah. <laughs> if you're inviting me, it's your time. <laughs> what kind of things would we want to do on that first date? Um, that would make you happy. That would make me happy. Huh. Um, I don't know, something original, something that didn't involve me carrying anything. Like, I don't want to have any tools with me. I don't, you know, I'm not climbing anything. I Nothing active. Do not, do not no walk like all around Central Park or bike ride or rollerblading, none of that. I, that is not me. I, that is, you know, I, I'll get in my convertible and just drive around and chat and get stoned. Like that would be a great day. That would be totally fine for me, you know, I, but yeah, definitely nothing active. <laughs> I'm active enough in my day job. I don't, I don't need to, to do anymore. Strangest thing you've ever been asked to do. Well, that, how much time do you have? <laughs> well, uh, I think we have about three more minutes in the closet here. So before somebody starts okay. knocking on the door. <laughs> Is that it? Uh, yeah. Uh, so the strangest thing, uh, definitely uh, put pie in their face as they're coming. Yeah, see, <laughs> you made the face too. That's pretty much the face I made. Does that? Yeah. As they're coming, smash a pie right in their face. Does that qualify as cream pie? No, that is not a cream pie. Not by definition. You may use a cream pie to accomplish the goal, but it does not qualify as a cream pie. <laughs> I need a minute here because that's so funny. Uh, um, well, yeah. You know. So what makes you, what is the number one thing that makes you laugh? Because you laugh a lot. When you're funny. I do. When it's funny. And it's funny. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of humor out there. I think, well, I'm one of those people, though, that defaults to humor for everything. It's my defense mechanism. Like, it's just, you can just always def default to it. I mean, I, I grew up watching, uh, you know, Mel Brooks movies and Woody Allen. And, you know, the, I have a very definite, uh, what's the word, like definition of what funny actually is, too, because of the, the plethora of wonderful comedians that I grew up watching. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, as long as they're, it's funny. I mean, it can be funny at somebody's expense too. Like it doesn't have to just be like, you know, a funny ha ha, you know, like it was funny when me and my submissive were decided, oh, let's watch Mrs. Maisel. And, you know, as we're watching Mrs. Maisel and her, you know, clearly dyke lesbian manager and, you know, my submissive is transgender and we're going, oh my God, that's us. <laughs> like that was funny, <laughs> you know, like to think like, holy crap that we even got that, you know, inside of something like that. So yeah, you know, I mean, but a lot makes me laugh. I mean, I'm a pretty good natured as far as being a dominatrix goes. I tell people I'm the Labrador puppy of the group. Like if you put me and a bunch of doms together, I will be the welcoming committee. I'm the happy one, you know, which is why I think it's that much more intimidating as a dom. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I just, I don't, 
I'm not mean with my um, impact or things like that. I just have that look, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and where you don't know, is she happy? Is she laughing? Is she smiling? Oh my God, I'm going to die. That's, you know, that, 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 that's more empowering and more funny. Like I, that's, I like laughing in my sessions. I do things to make me laugh, you know? So, um, I mean, granted it's at their expense, but that's part of my charm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's I, any, any chance to laugh before they, before they knock and, uh, make sure we get out. Oh of yeah, the that's closet. right. I'm terrible with, I'm terrible. That, time that, manager that's okay. Uh, uh, I don't think they're going to kick us out before I ask you. Just tell them I'm on Jewish standard time. <laughs> what makes you a nice nom? Because that's how you identify what, yourself on Twitter. Identify, yes. I am. I am completely the nice dom. What makes me the nice dom is that I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to actually try and make whatever fantasy it is that you're trying to accomplish come true in a safe space for you to experience it. That's what makes me nice. I'm not interested. I, like, in other words, if you're coming to me because you want humiliation, I'm probably not the best dom for you. I'm not great at that. I may humiliate you during a session. It may happen. And if I, if I get the, you know, and I'll run with it, but that's not what my goals are. Like, that's not who, th those aren't the, the um, people that tend to come see me or seek me out because it's really about experiencing new things, being safe while you're experiencing new things, being able to um, answer questions, teach along the way, that kind of thing. Not all doms are willing to do that. For some of them, that's not their shtick. That's not what they want to do. So they, you know, they want somebody who's already trained to, to kneel before them. And I'm somebody who's willing to train you to kneel before them. You know, I always say, like, I turn out the best submissive boyfriends. You know, like, if you want to be somebody's submissive boyfriend, come to me for training because I will make you ready to go. You know, find a dominant female, she'll just check off the box. <laughs> You know that, but that's and that's I think what 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 would classify me as the nice dom, so, and I like that role. It's different. There's not a lot of us. <laughs> Let's take time out to talk about one of my friends, Kitten Flow. She's got a really cool company called Lucky Kitten Colors. It's pet play gear, handmade by a kitten. And I actually have some good kitten friends who absolutely would love these kind of collars. She makes collars adorned with colorful chains and bells of all sizes, adjustable ears and lots of fun neon and pastel colors that will stay on even when you're upside down. Harnesses and tails, harnesses to use with your own tail and fuzzy heart, tummy crop tops. Everything is made to adjust to almost any body type. She'll also take custom orders if you can dream it. Chances are she can make it. The shop can be found at etsy.com slash shop slash Lucky Kitten Collars. And you can find her on Instagram at Lucky Kitten Collars. And since we know women and other wonderful humans love to save some money, we're going to do that for you. Use the code WANT20 for a coupon for 20% off your purchase. That's WANT20 for 20% off your order just for being one of our listeners to the show. So check out her store, etsy.com slash shop slash Lucky Kitten Collars. Lucky Kitten Collars, fantastic things for pet play. Take it from someone called Katsu. <laughs> you know you've gotten those messages you just have to talk about. So now we will. 
it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. We start the good, the bad, and the ugly with something that can be bad and ugly. Give me an idea of what your Twitter DM box looks like right now. Oh, you have to ask Catnip for that. <laughs> I do not handle my social media at all. Um, and not because of any other reason than there's an extreme value to having an assistant or somebody weed through a lot of those messages for you. Because some of them, can, like, I remember in the very, very beginning, they could be really mean, like, and it's like a nothing thing. It's nothing that even exists, but you make it huge. So now I only get the good stuff filtered towards me, you know, and only if I need to know about something is it brought to my, so I'm fortunate in that, that I don't even have to get an ugly, you know, DM message. I mean, I've had ugly messages elsewhere, but not on Twitter. And if I do, that's all catnip. He, he handles it. He edits it. He erases it. <laughs> he makes it all nice for me. <laughs> so for women who don't have a catnip, Mm-hmm. How do you suggest handling it? Ignore it. Ignore it. If it becomes threatening and scary, you report it. Plain and simple. And you can report it to police, mm-hmm. by the way. You don't just have to report it to Twitter police. You can report it to mm-hmm. real police. Um, but yeah, just you have to ignore it. You, these are not people that exist in your reality. You know what I'm saying? They exist in a Twitter universe. That is not... A real world. It could be a soccer mom driving to work, you know, driving her kids and she's in her car and she's bored. It could also be somebody who hasn't gotten out of bed for six years. Like you don't know who's the author of it. So you can't throw any weight behind it. You can't, you can't believe it. You, you got to just, unless it's really good. If it's really good, then of course it's God's rule. And, and, <laughs> and it was a beautiful message. But um, yeah, but no, when it's bad, I, I just tell people to ignore it. But it's hard to. I mean, if it, but if it's following you around, then it's a problem and you should mm-hmm. report it, you know? So what to you makes up a good message? If you were to, if you were like a, to put together a toolkit for men or women, because I won't discount to, that to message, to message people? people, what goes in that toolkit? First, right off the bat, if there is a profile that you read or should have read prior to sending the message, read it and include something from the profile in your message. That is gonna let the person reading know, oh, they read my profile. They actually took the time to read my profile. That lands with almost every person who has a profile. You know, when I get messages from men and specifically men and they want to know like a million things about me and I go I immediately click on their profile and it's empty I sit there and go well I'll tell you stuff about me when you fill out your profile since you already know more Mm. like and and like not you know because it's like you already know more about me than I know about you why do I have to tell you anything um but yeah that put something about the profile in there that's the that that is the best clue you know, I think anybody who is, whether it's for dating, hooking up, or just because you want to buy something, I mean, whatever it is, like acknowledging that you actually took the time to read someone's profile is also telling them, hey, I took the time to read about you. Can you please take the time to read about me before you immediately respond? <laughs> you know, and someone's more apt to do it. When it comes to messages, does size matter? 
Yes, uh, I can honestly say that while brevity is appreciated, like we like when you get to the point, uh, don't send me a message that says, sup. <laughs> like, no, you know, you got to make a message. You're introducing yourself to somebody. You're trying to get them to engage in a conversation with you, probably because you want something from them, whether it is, you know, a date, a dinner, sex, a blowjob. It doesn't matter. You want something from them. You have to give them a reason to engage with you. Sup does not cut it. Not even a word. Or is it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like a contraction. Ask catnip. <laughs> I bet you catnip would right. know. Yeah. He'd be like, well, it's now in the, you know, urban mm -hmm. dictionary, you know, probably is. What is it about having the term married on your FET profile that either helps you or hurts you? Um. I don't know that it, it, it hurts me because it keeps away all the people who are just trying to date me. I'm not on there looking for dates or hookups or anything like that. I'm on there for business. I'm on there because that's where, you know, submissives can find me who want a professional dom session. They're, they're not, you know, looking for a free meal. Like it's so, and I'm very clear about that. So I find by putting married in, um, it lets people know, like, I'm not looking to date, although they still ask, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it, it just, to me, it's, it's one road roadblock to, to keep, because I, I do, I get a lot, but, oh, but, you know, but I'll clean your house in exchange for sessions. Have you ever cleaned a house before? No. Well, why am I going to hire you to mm -hmm. clean my house? How do I know you're going to do a good, you know, so it weeds some things out. Um, but still, it's amazing how many people don't even read that. Mm -hmm. They don't read that it says in big, big red bold letters, professional dominatrix. Um, I had somebody said, oh, I thought you just were kidding. <laughs> Hello, McFly. Yeah, like I was like, about what? Like, you know, that's why I'm saying like some people really say ridiculous stuff to you. Um, but yeah, that's why it's up there. It's literally as a deterrent because you don't, I, I don't want people to email me over and over and over again, trying to date me when that's not why I'm there. As a pro dom now, mm. you did not start that way. No. Tell me about your journey to what brought you um, here today. It, total accident. That's why I call myself the accidental dom because it really was just right place, right time. Um, I was going to graduate school in Atlanta, uh, being a Jersey girl, I needed to get my hair done. You're going to go to the best place in Atlanta in Phipps Plaza. Like you're like, I don't even know what the name of the salon is. There's got to be one in Phipps Plaza and it will be the best in Atlanta. And that's where I'm going to go. And sure enough, that's where I went. And I met, um, my sir at the time. So Sir Michael, uh, you know, and, uh, he was just this fabulously, he looked like Sam Elliott. He had that kind of vibe, you know, like big, like a lot of gray hair. And he was gay. <laughs> like, you know, he was a gay leather daddy in Atlanta. That's who he was. You know, he, he wasn't like, so this was not like for a sexual relationship. This was nothing about that. This was just like, he's looking at me like, oh, that's so great that you came to get your hair done. Oh, you're, you're going to school. Oh, you're stripping. You're an idiot. <laughs> and he suddenly got this very protective vibe mm. about me. 
and he just wanted to make sure I didn't end up in a ditch. So he off in my, you know, there was like a combination of errors. My rent was up, that it, my lease was up. Like, so I got to live in his big, beautiful mansion in Buckhead, go to school during the day. And I worked at the gold club and it was all like very above board, but there were rules in his house mm. because he had some quirks and he was like, listen, if you want to live here, you got to live here, but there's a lot of rules here. And as long as you follow the rules, nothing bad will happen to you. You know, in the sense of like mm -hmm. no punishments, no whatever. Like I should preface that for your audience. I wasn't going to be thrown off a cliff or anything. It was just, you know, he he was a leather daddy. So all of his rules, everything was based around BDSM. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as any submissive out there knows, or anybody who even has tried to be a submissive for five minutes, the greatest words you hear are either good girl or good boy. That's, that's the greatest thing that ever gets said to, to mm -hmm. anyone in that position. You know, I don't, I don't care who you are. You hear good boy and you're like, okay, I'm good. Like, that's it. Everything washes away. So good girls know different. And I loved hearing, oh, good girl. Whether that meant that, you know, his, his appointment book was meticulous or his, um, you know, the, the, the place was clean or when he, or dinner came out, whatever it was, whatever the task was, I was going to do it really well because I liked the reward more than I liked the punishment. Mm -hmm. You know, some people, it is the opposite. And uh, I, I, I only wanted to hear good girl a thousand times a day. So I did everything right. I was a good girl. And, um, you know, it was early nineties things were a little different in the world. Um, you could have a lot more fun. The internet was not the unsafe place that it has kind of grown mm -hmm. to be. It was still, I mean, the, I graduated college before there was an internet and now I'm in graduate school. So it was like brand mm -hmm. new. And, you know, everybody had dial up. There was no Tinder. By the time you found somebody with your interests next to you, it was 10 years later. Like, yeah, you know, so it, it wasn't, you could you could do more that would be deemed um, these days. Oh my God, I can't mm -hmm. believe you did that. Or wow, I can't believe he asked you to do that or told you to do that or made you do that. Get it. I was consensual. I was volunteer. I didn't mm -hmm. care. I loved it all. But, you know, if the internet got a hold of it, I, I look back on it and I'm like, wow, if the internet knew that, you know, I had done some of those things, you know, the trolls would be all over me or they would, you know, on Facebook in the, in the BDSM groups, they'd be like, that's not really a BDSM relationship. You know, mm -hmm. you know how everybody like has their opinion. Um, but there was none of that. There was, you know, in fact, to find BDSM, you had mm -hmm. to know people. There was no internet to search for it on. There were, and munches and things like that were happening because mm. that, that is something that's been happening you know, out of the 60s, like, that's not a new thing. It's just that now they're easier mm -hmm. to find because there's an internet. But back then it was like, it was, I always attribute it to like the elusive key party. Like you always knew there were key parties in your neighborhood, but you didn't know how to get in with the crowd that mm -hmm. had the key party. It, BDSM was like that, you know, and one of the accesses, believe it or not, to BDSM were biker mm. communities. Yeah. You know, leather communities and biker communities. Why? Because they were very tolerant of, of, of anything. You know, you could, you know, you could be a gay mm -hmm. biker, you know, maybe not in every biker group, but in a lot of, I mean, they were much more accepting of who you are than other communities were. And that's why BDSM, I feel like found a home in leather and 
biker communities because they they, they didn't care. I went to a play party up in Michigan and it was in a biker club and and the bikers provided the security and people called it the safest BDSM play party you could ever imagine. Right. Absolutely. I mean, when I when I was living in Atlanta and I was working as a, as a dancer in the off season for the WCW, the the guys that did like, you know, the villains, mm-hmm. the ones that weren't as popular, they had to make money. They were the bouncers yep. at all of our clubs. You know, so like, oh, don't touch that girl. When the blaster tells you not to touch a girl, you're not going <laughs> to yeah. touch the girl. You know, it's like it. it yeah. Like, and that's how I met them. You know, you, it, it was. Yeah, it was. um. Yeah, safe like I that's why I'm saying like when Michael would ask me to do things I never ever felt Mm -hmm. in danger you know looking back it's like oh my god I can't believe I just did that but I never felt it like I was in danger because like these were they're Mm -hmm. gentlemen you know the the men that were in biker they're gentlemen first they they understood like I these were not like men that like didn't open doors for women these were you know, just because they were bikers were, didn't mean they weren't mm-hmm. classy guys. Like they, they got it. They protected me. They, you know, they, they, uh, it was like a family. It was nice. So as the show is called what women and other wonderful humans want. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you mean what we want. Okay. And that's the idea is the audience is twofold women who share their stories to know that they're not alone and men to hopefully be able to find that there's a right way and a wrong way to approach people. Mm, that there and is. that's, that was the inspiration behind the show. So you talked about the fact, uh, <clears throat> pardon me. You talked about the fact that you were in Atlanta before there was an internet and before there was the ability to instantly find anything that you want. Right. Discuss the journey from then until now with the patience of people who want your time. Hmm. You mean like how'd I get from there to here? (laughs) In other words, it, didn't used to be as easy as writing a DM or sending an email to establish a no. connection for a date, for a play party, for anything. You had to take the time to do it, where now it's it's instant gratification. It's waiting for the red dot to show up, waiting, waiting to see if you have a message. And this isn't a get off my lawn speech by me. But it is an appreciation of how different things have been. And I want to be able to bring context to what is going on today, especially with someone who understood what it was all about back in our day. Yeah, well, well, and that's the thing. Um, the, the, the rules exist for a reason, the rules within BDSM, like the, the, the formalities of it. I shouldn't say the rules, but there mm-hmm. are formalities to BDSM, the negotiations between a dom and a sub, a top and a bottom, and, and all that. Like, that's all old school. That's all mm-hmm. been around, right? And I find that because of instant gratification now, because of the, the, the just sending somebody a message and sending that people rush through all of it. 
and that's what that's where you get hurt like that's where you have the potential to like get hurt get disappointed not so i i i can say like i miss i i truly miss the uh seduction mm -hmm. of it there is no more seduction within bdsm and uh um you know the, this kind of thing anymore i feel like online has ruined that that so like that that's like my own gripe mm -hmm. with it um not to get completely off track with your with what you're asking but i i think that's part of it just that it, it's lost some of its um romance uh, when and I, I using romance mm -hmm. as an adjective not to say that it's like always romantic but because you had to invest you know, time in order for something to yeah. work it, you had to invest time you had to get to know somebody you had to really um it, and it wasn't like you could it, it wasn't even getting to know them wasn't talking all night online you couldn't do that then you had to actually go out on a date meet for coffee um be in each other's public space there's a lot now oh my god a lot of online bdsm kind of relationships top and bottom you, you never even meet your bottom or your top that didn't exist when mm -hmm. I started. There was no way for that to exist. There was no BDSM pen pal. You know, like, what were you going to do? Write a letter? Please tie yourself to the sink and wait till I return. And then you'd have to send it seven days in advance. <laughs> like, what do you do? Like, right? Like, you couldn't do that. Now, with this, it, even, even just the scope of topping somebody and being in this lifestyle has changed because now you could be like, I'll be home in 30 minutes. You better be da 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 you could do that now. You couldn't do that then, you know, like you, you really couldn't unless you got them on the phone and then they'd have to answer and hope that they answered their call waiting. I mean, it, it, it just, um, the, yeah, the, and the instant gratification I think has made everybody, um, spoiled and, um, know-it-alls makes them a know, know-it-alls about it. Like I'm glad that 50 shades of gray was written. I am thrilled. So many people read it because what it did for the conversation of BDSM was mm -hmm. enormous. But it just because you read that book does not make you an expert. In BDSM. <laughs> As a matter of fact, some people would say it makes you the farthest from an expert. Right. It's, but like, it's, it, it's like, you are not going to read a book about heart surgery and then go perform heart surgery. You're not going to do that unless you're, mm -hmm. you know, in training for that. BDSM, like anything else, is the exact same way. It's a skill. You can teach yourself these skills and you have to learn them and it takes time and it takes patience. And then unfortunately it's not a solo act. So you have to find somebody who's willing to take the journey with you. And that takes effort, time, um, and huge investment. And why shouldn't there be a huge investment in it? Why would you want to rush into it? It's something that can be so, um, fulfilling, liberating, beautiful, um, just everything you need it to be if you actually take the time to devote to it, you know? And that means like, just because you're a submissive doesn't mean you don't get to interview the Dom. Mm -hmm. You're both interviewing each other. Um, there shouldn't be, um, like negotiations at the beginning should always, in my opinion, include a probationary period. You should have an out. You know, there, there, there should be options. I tell, um, when I coach couples, I coach mm -hmm. a lot of couples, especially beginning BDSM relationships. And I say, even if you think the two of you are the most self-evolved BDSM players on the planet, your first year 
of your negotiations, you meet one day every single month where nobody can get in trouble for speaking their mind so that everybody has a chance. To, and you do that for one mm -hmm. year until you really decide you don't need it anymore. I don't care how evolved you are. There's, there's effort that there, there's something to be learned in that and, and it's valuable and it shouldn't be, but you got a lot of people who think, Oh, I've been doing this for 20 years. I know exactly what I'm doing. You know, if you've never done it with that person for 20 years, then you have no idea what mm -hmm. you're doing because it's brand new, you know, and that's, and that's, I think where people get lost in this and, and especially look, and the doms are the most dif difficult and the most, um, stubborn because we're set in our ways and we're very much like, oh, I know what I'm doing because I'm in mm -hmm. control <laughs> and I'm in charge. <laughs> and that's that's really a load of crap. <laughs> because I know you enjoy a good joke. All I could think about when you were talking about Fifty Shades of Grey and then reading an instructional book on heart surgery, all I could think of is Christian Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Which that's awesome because my my sub like like when in doubt I'm watching West Wing and my sub is watching Grey's Anatomy <laughs> like that that's his go-to show you know like like I know when I walk into the apartment and he's not he's having a down day if like the first season of Grey's Anatomy mm -hmm. is on. <laughs> this will take the, your entire journey and bring it together. Okay, if you say so, I'll, I'll count as a dancer. <laughs> at the Gold Club. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Atlanta in the 90s, the Gold Club was the place to be in Atlanta if you wanted to see right. adult entertainment. That was the gold yes. standard, yeah. You saw the behavior of men in a very raw way where you had some control over it, mm -hmm. but not as much as you probably wished you had. Um, yeah, I mean, age had a lot to do with it. Now, you specialize in high protocol scenes, <laughs> where yes. you have control of every bit of it. Mm -hmm. Did experiencing one, the dancing, help you develop your skills in the other high protocol? Oh, yes, without a doubt. But being a submissive probably helped more. But here's my other thing. Like even being being a stripper, you are in command because you're in command of attention. But you're really not in command of what's going on in the room, around you, to you, being said about you, um, being hurled at you. Um, you're really not, it's, it's a, in my opinion, a very submissive position, even as a dancer, because you, what, what puts you in an authoritative and dominant position is this, is the distance between you and, mm -hmm. the, and the other players. And there's many of them. It's you to a group, you know, when you're the dominant in the room, you know, now that I'm older, it, it, even if it's me into a group, these are very submissive, you know, people that are coming to see me, it's, it's flipped in that respect. Like I don't feel as endangered, even as a dominant in control of the room, because the people that are coming to see me are naturally submissive. When you're a dancer, that is not so. In fact, more often than not, they're very mm -hmm. aggressive. 
their dominance themselves. And um, that in it of just that knowledge helps you tremendously as a dom because it, it reminds you how fragile the situation is, how easily it can turn, how, um, you know, how, and as somebody in control, it, it, it reminds me as well to let me know that, you know, this person is, is um, in my care. I have to be wary of, you know, very often the sub does not know their own limit. And so it's up to me as the dom to know, okay, you've had enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we need you to be able to walk out of here. Um, things like that. So it, it definitely prepared me. Um, I would say the one thing that being a dancer does that you don't expect it to do because you think, I'm just going to get up on the stage and I'm going to dance and maybe I'll throw my clothes off here and I'll collect some money. No, it makes you extremely alert. Mm-hmm. You have to be alert. You have to know what's going on around you because for the three guys that are hooting and hollering in front of you, there's always one behind mm-hmm. you and you have to know where he is because, you know, to protect your person, like to protect your space. Um, so that, that in and of itself makes you, I think, I, I don't want to say it would make you a better dumb, but I think it would make you a better top mm-hmm. in any scene because you understand vulnerability. Mm. You, you get a very deep understanding of, of vulnerability. Vulnerability, when you're a kid, vulnerability looks always like mm-hmm. danger. And when you uh, grow older, vulnerability, it takes different forms. And when you're a woman, nine times out of 10, danger looks like a man. Mm-hmm. He may not be dangerous. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all men are dangerous. I want to be very clear. I'm just saying that when you are a woman, when you're in your 20s, when you, when you reach puberty, danger suddenly shows up as a man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just how it goes. Like, that's just where we're at it's unfortunate but that's where we're at so you have you, you it does prepare you you have to learn you have you have to and there is no better place to learn it than a strip club <laughs> <laughs> I mean there is no better um you know uh, it is a great equalizer for men all men behave the same in the face of a mm-hmm. naked woman so whether you are you know, the CEO or the gas station attendant, your behavior stays mm-hmm. the same. So, and that, you know, if you're a smart enough woman, you, you, you know, connect into that and you realize, oh, and that's when you get your power, in my opinion. That's when, as a woman, you start to really gain your power and understand the power that you have. Because, yeah, in the face of a naked woman, you all behave the same way. I promised I would take you full circle, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> You absolutely As did. we are getting set to start a series of shows in December called Diversity December with underrepresented voices oh, all that. month long, your sub is transgender. Mm-hmm. Explain to me how special that makes the relationship from the standpoint of understanding and education and how that makes him a good sub to be able to understand those things? Um, I, this is probably going to be the easiest thing for me to answer um, because catnip is uh, extremely unique in the sense that the, the more educated I am about LGBTQ uh, everything and transgender everything, the more inclusive 
He can teach me to be in my language because I teach mm-hmm. a lot um, because I'm always up in front of a room. Um, that's invaluable to me. And he does it out of a desire to see me successful and to see me be great at it. Because I think he feels that if I'm great at it, then I'm going to reach more people and then more people mm-hmm. are educated. So it's like, you know, it, it, it and, and he's, um, he, he's truly unbelievable. He's been with me for almost three years. And I have to tell you how we met because it's mm-hmm. really cute. Um, I was teaching a class on high protocol. Mm. And he was taking it with somebody he was seeing, like just started seeing, like a brand new thing. Um, and he sat at the very back of the room, you know, where you could lean against mm-hmm. the wall, you know, that kind of seat, right? And I'm up on the stage and I'm looking out there and he is looking at me like I'm lunch. Like, I'm not kidding. His, he didn't blink. His eyes were real wide. And he just has this stupid grin on his face and literally can't take his eyes off me. And then apparently, I didn't know this then, but apparently I quoted A League of Their Own. <laughs> and that's his favorite movie. So that just sold it for him. And um, and I knew. I knew just by looking out there, I'm like, I'm going to get a message. I'm going to get an email. But this one is going to find any excuse to reach out to me. And I'm okay with it. And I had always, I'd been bisexual my whole life, ever since I was mm-hmm. 19. Uh, like, like practicing since I was 19, but it, clearly I can pinpoint when I was younger, you know, who I liked. And I always thought I really didn't care if somebody presented as male or female or whatever they had going on, because like I had, you know, I, I had male friends that dressed up as women and I thought that they were really attractive and like it was hot to me. Like, so I always assumed I would be okay with it, right? Like it didn't matter, you know, what they had in their pants. I was going to be okay as long as I liked them mm-hmm. as a person. But I traditionally only dated women who identified as women or men who identified as men. That's just how it worked out. So I always had an idea that I was pan once I learned that word, but I never had the proof. And then all of a sudden, back, uh, Catnip was staring at me from the back of the room, like on lunch, and it like, yeah, no, okay, yeah, cool, I'm pan. Like it was a, a wonderful validation and because I'd always presented myself to Mm -hmm. be that way so to find out oh yeah no I really am (laughs) was was a really um cool thing and and something that I wanted to continue to explore and uh it it just he and I are like two peas in a pod it's really unbelievable I mean and you know and I am married and he has dinner with my family he's part of my life this is not something that's just over here in a dark, dirty mm-hmm. secret. Um, I mean, like, you know, grandparents aren't involved or anything, <laughs> but he is part of my life. Um, and, um, and, and when I make future plans, he's always part of them. So um, it's been, it's, but it's been invaluable because of his age. He's a millennial. Mm-hmm. So he just turned 34. So he, he teaches me not only about LGBTQ, but also about how to be inclusive and not alienate millennials because I can do that because I think that they're all like oh my god how have you not seen Star Wars and call yourself a sci-fi geek What's wrong with you? like you know what I mean like I can totally get on get on them so like he he's taught me to like you know deal with mm-hmm. every you know be accepting be inclusive uh especially since I teach and when you're teaching kink it's so easy to conform to female and male roles so easy and that's just not how it is anymore. You know, the, I mean, 
you can't even like now I got to include furries in my speeches. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's not even just about men and women or gay and or homosexual and lesbian or it's it's like everything, you know. And 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 I'm learning. Like I'm learning still. Like I still have trouble with the pronoun they. Just from an I no I was an English major. Mm -hmm. You can't use that word. Even when catnip has told me, no, the English dictionary now recognizes that it's a, that's nice. I still can't do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're only one and the they is, pro but he's teaching me that it's okay mm -hmm. to do that and forcing me to practice it more, bring it into my speech more, which then only helps me. I find now when I'm speaking to people and I'm like, and I'm faced with somebody who also identifies with they rolls off my mm -hmm. tongue easier. I, I don't have to make the same excuses that, you know. He allows me to practice and make the mistakes I need on him where it won't backfire. Mm -hmm. Won't, you know, it, 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 it's, it's invaluable. I couldn't, uh, I don't know that. I don't know how I would do it without him, to be honest. And then don't get me started on the tech part. <laughs> because every time I have to do even an update to my phone, I then need catnip to be, all right, now show me what happened to my apps. <laughs> Tell me why, <laughs> you know, I can't download this anymore. What did I change in my settings? Yeah, he, I mean, Nobody knows how to get into my phone. Catnip does. Nobody knows how to get into my computer. Catnip does. He could, I mean, if he wanted to, he could run away with my bank account at this point. Um, you know, he's just integrated completely. <laughs> but does he know how to keep the VCR from flashing 12? Probably yes, because he lived with his grandparents. <laughs> so I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes to that, but by a default. You know, not, not because he was one of those millennials who wanted to learn. <laughs> Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. This is what women and other wonderful humans want. Presented by Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. So now's the time in the show where we get to learn about what you do. And you get to plug anything you want to talk about anything that makes you happy. And I can't believe that we've gone almost the entire hour and I haven't mentioned the words mischief matters. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mischief matters is my umbrella company or what I like to, uh, because I, 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 I promote myself as a kink educator first. So that's my bread and butter. That's what I love to do. I love going to conventions, events. I love, you could, you know, if you get a bunch of couples together and you want to bring me in for like a really wild, like before, you know, before the mm -hmm. COVID happened, um, people would bring me in to, for dinner parties because, you know, there would be hostesses. You know, I live in New Jersey and it's like, you know, everybody wants to be the hostess with the mostest. So you bring me in for the shock value. I'm going to teach all the men, you know, how to spank their wives or correctly, or how to, you know, how to even just how to hook up a leash correctly. <laughs> um, you know, but what, whatever it is, like, it, you know, it's the dirty dinner party and it's the one that everybody talks about at the, you know, next day and at the PTA and all that. And that's a lot of fun. And that, that's the fluff mm -hmm. piece. Right. And then I go, then I 
go all the way to like conventions and I will teach, you know, um, kink and I will teach uh, different uh, education classes. I teach a, a history of BDSM because it's completely mm-hmm. fascinating and most people don't get it. They think that it's just like some weird sexual thing that someone thought of. Not mm-hmm. at all. It's it's really wild how BDSM arrived in the United States. Um, and uh, it's, it's I, and I love that. And I love being able to educate people because I love watching light bulbs go mm-hmm. off above people's heads when they finally like, ah, oh, or, or they get it or, or just, you know, one of my favorite stories. And, and this is, um, I, I, I've, I'll just say, I teach a blowjob class in the metro area I have for 18 years. That was my gateway drug. That's where I started. That was the first class I ever taught. I saw a tall blonde woman on real sex teach it. And I was like, I want to do that. So now I do that, right? And um, being a pro-dom, you know, you run into a million other pro-doms. And I was working with one who like looked at me one day and she was just like, I don't know how you could teach that class. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't even know why you would. As a dominant woman, why would you ever do that? You never have to do that again. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of women that whether they're dominant or not, they actually just enjoy that. Like there, there, there is something to it, especially if you handle the power involved. And she was, you know, and she was explaining that she had a boyfriend who wanted her to do that. He was younger or whatever. And she refused because she didn't understand how you could be dominant and give a blowjob. Mm. And I looked at her right in the eye and I said, I'm going to give you 32 reasons why you could be dominant <laughs> and give a blowjob. And she's looking at me, she goes, 32. I go, open your mouth. You have 32 teeth. It, there's no there isn't a more dominant position in the world mm-hmm. <laughs> than that. <laughs> and she, it was that light bulb just went off over her and she went, Oh, I was like, yeah. And her, everything changed for in that moment. Like you can just watch that. Like if you are a dominant woman and you're naturally a thinker, most of us, like that's most mm-hmm. of us are. Once she started thinking the wheels just ran off. Cause then she saw all the other places that she could be dominant where she wasn't because she didn't think outside a box, you know? Like, and I'm just like, yeah, no, you gotta think outside the mouth on this one. Like, it's just, of course, you know? And, and so I love those moments. That's, you know, that's why I do what I do. So Mischief Matters was born out of just my desire to teach kink and educate people more about it. And mostly because everybody read 50 Shades of Grey and I was already teaching a blowjob class and selling sex toys and things like that. And, and, so of course, naturally my friends were like, you know, we tried this and it doesn't work or I can't get my husband to be Christian gray. <laughs> and I always go, that's because you go to church every Sunday and they've been telling him to not mm-hmm. hit a girl. Of course he can't be Christian gray. Cause you asked him, you, you know, like little, th- so I started to like realize like, okay, I, I got to like break this down for people. This is silly. So, you know, I started doing it for my friends and then they would refer me to other friends. But then I was like, well, I don't know these people. So I'm going to charge those people. And there you go. And then it just spiraled. And, you know, I'm one of those women who's naturally going to like, oh, if I can make money doing this, I'm doing this. And I turned it into a business. So it's mischiefmatters.com. And it, you know, it lists all the classes I can mm-hmm. teach, not teaching any now because, you know, we don't meet in public. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, it, and then out of that, I started doing the pro-dom sessions because, again, you know, men were coming to me. How do I be the, the best submissive for her? Well, then let me teach you you know, or couples, how do I do this? How does, how does she become more dominant? How does he become more dominant? Like, 
one of the most common things that I find, especially now, and we all have the internet to thank us for this, is you have a, a, a couple who's been married for, let's say, 20 years, and he's in his 50s, right? They're both in their 50s, probably. And um, since he was about 18 or younger, even, he's had a fantasy. Back of the hairbrush, being tied up. Maybe he's the damsel in distress. You know, whatever it is, he has had a fantasy, but it has been whipping around his brain for 30 years all by himself. And then he discovers the internet and now he finds, oh, there's pictures to go along with my fantasy. So now this fuels it, but he still hasn't told his wife for 30 years. And now they're married 20. So for 20 years, his wife has no idea what's going on. Then he finally gets up the nerve. And by the way, it's not, sometimes it's the wife Mm -hmm. who does it, but more often than not, it is the gentleman. And he finally tells his wife, this is my fantasy and I want you to do this. And she has a look of sheer horror on her face because not because of what necessarily you're saying, it's just the shock. And here's what happens. He gets upset. He gets upset because she's not as excited about his fantasy as he is when he's had 30 years to think about it and she's had 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes someone like me to just remind them of that. (laughs) To be like, yeah, you know, you got to pull it Mm -hmm. back (laughs) because you, you, there are certain things in life where you can say, come on, speed it up. You got to move faster. You got to move quicker. When it comes to any kind of sexual fantasy into a relationship that was not born out of that sexual fantasy, and I think you, you heard my, my line, you got to go as slow as the slowest person mm-hmm. in that race. There is no her catching up to you. Mm-mm. It's you backing up to her. Otherwise, it's going to mm-hmm. blow up. Other, otherwise, there's no room for it because she has not been thinking about it like you have. And very often when it comes to kink, there's always one person who's kinky and the other person vanilla. And usually around the midlife, you want to be like, okay, I got to experience it before I die. So you think, let me include the love of my life. And she's like, oh my God. And that's where Mm -hmm. I come in. So I work with the majority of couples I work with. That's precisely what I'm doing. You know, um, he, and so, and it's not always like he wants to be the dominant. Very often it's, he would like her to be mm-hmm. in charge when he's the man of the house and he's been doing it all. And now suddenly she's got, she wants, she's going to mm-hmm. take the reins when he's been doing it the whole time and da, 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 you know, however, I will say this to any couples who are interested and ever want to work with me, cause I do, I've been doing it virtual mm-hmm. too. And it's awesome. Um, it takes me about, I don't know five to 10 minutes to teach a woman to be dominant takes me a little longer to teach the man to be dominant over Mm -hmm. his wife because he he's been taught his whole life Mm -hmm. don't hit a girl don't hurt a girl don't do that takes more to get over than when i work with women and i'm like oh you want to dominate him yeah who loaded the dishwasher today (laughs) oh that's how you feel about it use it Mm -hmm. done women can tap into that quicker better faster we're hardwired for it. I just have to give her mm-hmm. permission. That's it. With women, I generally just have to give them permission. With men, it takes a little bit more, but it's coachable. It's, it's, it's totally, you know, doable. If you, but, but if, if you do it on your own and, and you expect everybody to be like, yeah, you know, hit the ground running with you, it's like, no. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the first time you try to potty train a kid. 
it's just not going to work out perfectly the first time, no matter how many M&Ms you bring. <laughs> how many marriages do you think you've saved? I don't know. I don't know, but I I have saved. I I if and if I haven't saved them entirely, I save them temporarily, you know, um, because a, a lot of. T but I do get a lot of emails thanking me, or you know, even people who like will read my podcast, like listen to podcasts and stuff, and you know, uh, just by me saying no, that's not weird that he likes to dress up in your underwear. Just even me mm -hmm. saying that. I'll get an email from somebody like, thank you. I can now actually listen to my husband when he tells me he wants to dress because you said it's, it's an okay thing. Like, you, you know, and, and not from a, I'm not a doctor. It's not about a psychological thing. It's about like, look, if he wants to try on your underwear, it's not hurting anybody. A lot of times it's, they like the way the material feels. It feels better than their materials. I was in the men's fashion industry for 25 years. Their materials suck. <laughs> they have denim and flannel, you know, like, we have lace and, and satins and nylons and things that actually feel good against the skin. And if you're a tactile mm -hmm. person, women's clothes will feel better. So when you start to, when you have somebody who can just explain it without judging, I think that that's all the difference. And I don't judge and don't get me wrong. There are plenty of kinks and things where I'm like, okay, not for me, you know, but I just don't mm -hmm. judge it because I think at this point, like, you know, Anything goes as long as you're not hurting anybody. And as long as everybody ends in a smile, I think you're doing okay. I, I, I get very upset when I hear, oh, but I went online to a group and they told me that's not the way you're supposed to do it. No, no, no. Who's in the relationship? It's you and him. And, and whatever you decide, that's what worked for the two of you. Great. Then those are your rules. That's what works. There, there, there's no BDSM police are not going to show up at your door and be like, you're doing mm -hmm. that wrong. I mean, that's, there's none of that. If there were BDSM police, then that would mean BDSM was mainstreamed. <laughs> <laughs> and we're a long way from mm -hmm. there yet. So you can pretty much write your own ticket. Um, and yeah, I get very frustrated when people fall victim to that, you know, and they think, oh, but online, they didn't like that I said this. And like one of the things that, um, believe it or not, me and Catnip want to do out of Mischief Matters, we want to have our own mm -hmm. podcast. Um, and we want to take it like where we read something in a group and then do a discussion mm -hmm. about what transpired or, or whatever, because there's so much misinformation, like everything else, there's so much misinformation out there and especially about BDSM, like, like, especially, you know, and, and, and a lot of the misinformation makes it seem dirty and, you know, and, and gross or wrong. And I, I'll tell people about one of my favorite clients. He's been coming to me for years. Um, and the reason why he started coming to me was because his wife, who was his dom, has been his dom since like before anybody knew what doms mm -hmm. and subs were. You know, like this was one of those magic couples that found each other in their youths, you know, on some kibbutz somewhere or whatever. And, you know, magically uh, hooked up together and whatever. And sadly, she has come, you know, she has MS and it's gotten worse over the years, worse to the point where she can't lift paddles and floggers and whatever. So when he misbehaves, they had to find a surrogate. Mm. And I became a surrogate. So she would send him to me. You know, he didn't do this right today. He gets 10 paddles with the, and you know, he's holding up the phone and we're FaceTiming. <laughs> so, you know, and, and he's happy and she's happy because, you know, he, all he wants to do is take care of his amazing mm -hmm. wife. 
who has MS. So like, he's even like, she really needs me now. She can't even deny it, but he still has needs that she physically can't meet. So I'm able to step in and do that. And this couple is able to maintain their relationship. I mean, during this whole pandemic, I've not been able to see him because she Mm. has MS, but they are my favorite, you know, couple like, so why would like, you know, when, when the vanilla people hear that, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, now suddenly I'm doing a good deed, you know, or the alcoholics who come to see me who were like, I had a bad day today. I need a drink. I can't have a drink. Can you please beat me? Yeah, because you can go home with marks on your ass. You can't go home with a crashed mm-hmm. up car and another DUI or another that, you know, so Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm helping those people out. What are the best ways to follow you? So um, mischiefmatters.com is my website. And that handles like all the education and all the pro-dom aspects. So, um, and also on there is um, links to my FetLife account, which if you're interested in sessioning with me, there's an application that you fill out. Like, you know, this is not like, oh, just ring me up and I want to have, no, there's an application process. I, you know, I like to weed, you know, and they should weed me out too. You learn about Mm -hmm. me in the application process. Uh, Then it's my Twitter. Bear with me for my Twitter is at Mistress Shari. And my Instagram is high protocol mistress, high protocol underscore Mm -hmm. mistress. But all of that can be like mischiefmatters.com is probably the easiest to go to because then it lists all of those things for you. Because like I said, catnip manages it so very often i'm like what's my instagram <laughs> what's my twitter are we active today you know i i look or he'll post a picture and then one of my clients will be like i love that picture of you ma'am and i'll be like oh my god which picture did you post <laughs> we will so, have all those in the show notes as well so yes catnip won't have to worry so much right and catnip and just know catnip filters my messages so if you are interested in getting to me on any of those platforms sup is not going to cut it. <laughs> Catnip will just pass right over that. So make sure you actually put a message to me, you know, um, and, you know, and even if it's just like, hey, I'd like to session with you, Catnip will then send you directions of how you can do that. So that's, that's the other reason why, because otherwise I'd be spending all day going like this. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I, this cuts I down have a on. hunch that there's a few friends of mine that are going to end up with their own assistance now because that is a wonderful way to be able to handle messages it it really is it it really is like i wish i could do it for my own you know kid but they would let me mm-hmm. filter them so i could be like no she doesn't need to see that <laughs> <laughs> you know fat chance of that ever happening but i can dream thank you so much for being a part of this show oh it's my pleasure this was definitely enjoyable. I loved, I loved your questioning format. It was a lot more fun because then I don't have to think of everything myself too. <laughs> so full of energy and joy, one can only imagine the fun of a session with the nice Dom or learning the lifestyle from such a fun educator. Next week on our regularly scheduled show, premiering Tuesday, December 1st at noon, we kick off Diversity December with erotic author, educator, and fetish lifestyle expert, as well as the host of Casey at Night on YouTube and other great shows. It's Casey Carter who will share her experience as a leader in the kink scene and her journey through a remarkable summer for many African-Americans. She will be followed by other underrepresented voices throughout the month of December right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. 
As always, we hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, give us a subscribe, tell a friend. And if you want to help us, you can always take time, that five minutes or so, or maybe even one minute, to be able to rate and review us on Apple or Google Podcasts. I know that you have a lot of podcast choices, and we hope that we earn the privilege of your time with this one. And as always, you can reach me directly at John, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. That's John, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. My name is John. To my friends, my name is John. To some of my friends, hi there, Katsu. Thanking you for being with us and reminding you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.